0: Hey, Calvary family, this is Pastor Michael Grove here on the Bible Reading App, and it is October the 2nd, and if you remember, we just started the book of Romans, which once again is my favorite book of the Bible, so I'm so excited to share this with you, so read along if you can, otherwise let me read this over you, and in the end, I'll give you a few thoughts before we end our time together. Here we go, starting today in Romans chapter 2. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or... Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done. than for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law Do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bear witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them, and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of little children, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You, then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you have become as though you had not been circumcised. So then, if those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? The one who is not circumcised physically and yet obeys the law will condemn you who, even though you have the written code and circumcision, are a lawbreaker. A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Romans chapter 3. What advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true in every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I am using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result? Their condemnation is just. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin, as it is written, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the work of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin." it is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith, and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. This concludes the reading for today. Let me give you a quick thought before we end our time together. So, let's start at the beginning of chapter 2. But in order to do that, let's read the end of chapter 1. That last verse, verse 32, one more time says this. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So going right into chapter 2, we hear, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment... Do the same things. What is it that Paul is trying to say? In the book of Romans, Paul is trying to bring Jew and Gentile together. But one of the things he's pointing out, especially in chapter 2 and 3, is that those that should know, should know. In other words, the Jews who should understand the law, while they're pointing out what other people are doing wrong, they themselves aren't even doing it right yet. In fact, remember how chapter 1 ended? That even though they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. In other words, there's no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles in how they're acting. And Paul is trying to say, those who have the word of the Lord should be able to live differently. They shouldn't look just like the Gentiles. So then he contrasts that with the fact that even though the Gentiles don't have the law, when they do what's right, they are actually condemning the Jews who should know better and should be doing it right. You ever met somebody who's a non-Christian but acts more like a Christian than the Christians do? That's kind of what Paul is talking about here. That the world should expect that Christians should make the best employees, the best employers, they should make the best neighbors and friends. Christians should set the standard for what it looks like to be a viable member of this community. We should be bringing life to those around us and bringing hope to those in need. Because the truth is, even those that don't know the Lord do those things at times. But those of us who know the law of the Lord, those of us who are called to be his children, we can't just point these things out and live the same standard as everybody else. We should be the ones who do these things because it honors the Lord. Paul is calling the church to stand up and be different than society, to look different in a way that points towards the word of God and the goodness of who he is. And when we do what is right, how does he end chapter 3? He says, Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No. Because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. In other words, God is justifying all people who will be drawn unto him. And so our job is to draw people to the Lord. Our privilege is to represent this to everyone around us. So represent the Lord well today, because when you do, others will be drawn unto him. That's all the time we have left for today. I love you and God bless. (music)